there's not a shortage of people that want to do the work. There's also not a shortage of people with a piece of paper that says that they're qualified yeah, to do the work. <laughs> I agree with that. What I think the major challenge to, to the industry is, is there's not enough businesses capable of supporting staff. If there were more businesses capable of supporting staff, then there would be more people looking for the job rather than being forced down. You will have to be self-employed. Hiring the right tradespeople is the number one headache for most business owners. In this episode, I chat to Kathy and Tommy to find out how they hire the right people with the right skills for the right price. I wanted to find out how they attract and keep the best talent, and we discuss interview tips and company culture. We also talked about whether there is a skilled trade shortage in the UK. We know business owners are busy, so we've separated the full interview into chapters. If you hover over the time bar, you can skip to the section you want to learn more about. The podcast is sponsored by Payaka, software that helps you sell more, organize your team and save hours of time. As business owners, the guests have a lot of experience running large teams, so I hope you get something from the conversation and avoid some of the common mistakes people can make. Let's get into it. So employing tradespeople for the first time you've started a business, mm-hmm. how do you go about that? Like, Where do you get started? With my first employee, it was an apprentice. So um, I spoke to the local college and they were really helpful and sort of guided me through the process of what I had to do. Um, when I employed my first qualified electrician, that was a much bigger sort of financial commitment and jump in the deep end. And I would say I probably didn't really fully understand the process until I'd employed her for probably six months and realised how much it costs in like employers' contributions mm-hmm. and uh, employers' national insurance contributions and van finances and upkeep of another person's van, tools, etc. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends what your, what stage you're looking to employ. I think colleges can be really good um, in putting structure in places to help employers with apprentices but when it actually comes to growing a skilled team mm. um, of electricians that are already qualified or trained you're sort of on your own a bit there there's loads mm. of stuff on .gov but um, a lot of it I think especially the HR side of things it's good good ideas through your research I'd say um, from from my side of things we've trained up I did count this up recently I think 14 people um, either via apprentices you know, mm-hmm. 16 18 year old apprentices coming via the college um but the vast majority of them were, were acs people you know um career changes a lot of people call them um clearly just, that's just explain acs a- acs i can't tell you what it stands for okay <laughs> it's the accreditation yeah. okay it's the accreditation to um to create the the skill set the quick skill set to come into into the heating in- industry so it's not it's not mvq plumbing it's not mm. traditional plumbing it's how can we get people qualified quickly to fill this uh, skills gap that kind of came up in in the early 2000s i think that's that's its history um i guess in electrical world you've got the domestic haven't you domestic yeah so they did a domestic install scheme for a bit but it's um is that no longer there no, so when I did it, I did the domestic install scheme, which initially is a five-week course, and then you can, um, if you've got the relevant experience on top of that college course, you yeah. can register with NRC as a domestic installer and start doing your own small domestic jobs. However, um, they've changed the um, requirement to register with the domestic installer scheme now and made it more, it used to be, I'd say probably 
um, like a specific scheme for people who came through that route. Whereas now I'd say it's much more, um, if you only work on domestic properties and you only have that sort of experience, that's what you would register with. If you're doing a lot more commercial stuff, you're not registered with that, but you register with approved contractor because they used to give all companies if they got approved contractor also a domestic installer but yeah. what they've done now um which i only found out about last year in my nic annual review um is that you've got to prove that you're doing domestic work and have your part p qualifications for building control to be on the domestic install scheme as well and you do also have to have your full mvq level three now for that which is the full electrical qualification um i did that after my i basically followed on from my domestic installer with those courses um which took a lot longer but it meant that i could get out there doing work to begin with because i'd got the relevant experience um but yeah there isn't i did, wouldn't say there's a quick route in now that's that, that's interesting mm-hmm. that's very interesting for the heating industry that you know we still have an option they did change the rules on that actually they did make it a six month course uh, but six months sounds a lot quicker than than the electrical route yeah, yeah. Um, you used to be able to register on the domestic install scheme, like I say, but here the NIC guy told me, and I've noticed that the colleges now that traditionally you would have gone to for the short courses, they've got a structure in place on the website where that domestic installer scheme is simply a starting point of yeah. the bigger picture. And I'm not sure really what you could actually go do with that domestic installer now. Like you might be able to go do domestic jobs that don't require PAPI notifications. So then you wouldn't need to be registered with a governing body. I'm not sure, but or maybe you could get employed somewhere where they're wanting somebody who's. But I would. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah labouring basically. Yeah. But I wouldn't like where I was with me because at the time, um, you were able to set up as a domestic installer when I say, um, in line with what the scheme, uh, with what the the qualification sort of gave you, yeah. um, but they're not. They've the industry sort of frowned upon it a bit and moved away from it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a shame because if you can get the relevant experience. <coughs> It is, it is a good way in, but I think the problem with it was that people weren't getting the relevant experience with it, but the colleges can't give them the experience because they've only got a workshop. They can only give them what they've mm. got, and so it was getting that experience with it. I was really lucky that I managed to, but... Mm. And you, you both mentioned, like, apprenticeships, and I know it's something that if you go online, like, a lot of people were, like, complaining about it not working for them. Like, what do you put in place to ensure it works for you and like have you had those sort of bad experiences for for us i i can think of in in the heating business um we had five apprentices um only two of them made it through with with us one of them left of of his own accord during the lockdown period which you know i i wished him luck i i kind of give him heads up during during the first lockdown look if another opportunity comes up perhaps you might want to consider that uh, he did choose to to take another route um but i kind of found with with young people you can't judge them you cannot figure them out in, in while you know their interview skills their on paper um work experience it it, it doesn't exist you can try to interview them and try to figure out what what their what their mindset is, but they, you know, they're either lying or or they're a closed book. So someone who who we interviewed, we uh, me and the manager at the time, I left the interview and, and told my wife, I'm not too sure about that kid. He don't talk. He's quiet. How is what's he going to be like in in the customer's house mm. when he you know when he's so scared. He turned out to be the you know the best heating engineer that that we ever trained up. Hmm. Can't judge 
judge it by, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then people that really, really flew the interview and came across as, um, you know, a model young young person looks you in, in the eyes when they're talking to you, give them a bag of tools and they don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, so, so in, in my experience, it was more of a case of trial and error. Mm. But kind of understands that you know some will make it through and, and some some won't. Mm. Is that is that kind of how you? Yeah, found we've had a couple who've sent over applications or emails asking about uh, apprenticeships, and they've caught my eye, and I've thought, oh, they sound you know really switched on just from the way they've worded stuff. Um, so we've brought them in on work experience or you know paid sort of casual work up until the next apprenticeship year especially if they've been an age where they can do that or it's been the time of year where we've got a few months where we can get them in um and then you can get a bit more of a feel for the reliability you know the work ethic um i found though that even then still i've had i've had really good impressions of some of them i've not worked them personally but some of the team have and then i've worked them one day and they're on the phone all day and, and i'm like you know what are you doing or you know, they're not like, they've made a mess and not tidied it up. And when you say, you know, how can you've chased out all over that carpet and not used the shit or cleaned it up? They've said, nobody told me to. Nobody told you to, clean, to tidy up after you, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's, I think like you said, it's definitely trial and error. And if you can spend time with them before you commit to employing them, mm-hmm. um, the more you get to know people, the more they relax, the more that you see what their true colors are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the more so you can make an informed decision and they as well then also get the opportunity to see how they get on with you, how they get on with your team, you know, if they really want to do the job. Um, it is hard because sometimes you don't have that opportunity to do that. And also if they're already in another job, you can't just leave there with a job to come work for you on a trial for two weeks or whatever. And I think yeah. it definitely sometimes does take months for them to really come out of their shell. Like you say, yeah. they yeah. might be really quiet and shy, but they actually prove to be somebody who's really um, competent and capable. I, I see a lot of people on, on, on the Facebook groups complaining about apprentices and, and saying, you know, my, my my second year apprentice has done this, my first year apprentice has done, done that, my third year apprentice is going to be qualified at this point. Um, and, and, yeah, it, across Facebook groups, it kind of looks like it's a bit of a risk for small businesses to, to make that investment of of time and, and money into a young person that that might not make the grade or worse still they qualify and then then they leave they leave the company and they've pinned all their thoughts of of growing their business around when the apprentice gets qualified i'm going to be able to do this and then the quali- then the now qualified engineer leaves leaves the business so you know it's it, it's it's a tough one but f- for me, I, I I believe in it. I believe in training up young people because even if they leave your your business, they come back round at some mm. point. They go off and work for a bigger company that can offer them X, Y, and Z. At some point, they might go self-employed. At some point, they, they start to look for, well, I'd, I'd rather work for a smaller company again. Mm. Um, in, in any case, what I'd like to say is, you know, focus on, focus on on building your network you, you know it's it's the team that you are employing but it's also the network of of people that you've trained up that do the work to to your standard because mm. they will come around because ultimately you know we want to be in business don't we for however long in mm. 10 years 20 years 30 years so we've really got to be thinking beyond you know this time next year i'm going to have an extra engineer and start mm-hmm. to think about in five years' time how many people would we have trained up 
and and therefore what's what's my network like what's my choice of of people to to offer a job to Mm. yeah i think that's definitely a big fear my um husband who's pastor would never take anyone on when i first met him who was young because he just thought if he trained them they'd leave and go do it themselves because that's what he'd done so that was his default position so he'd have a laborer who was usually um like a mature person who's been doing it years and has never even learned to drive or never had the sort of motivation to go do it themselves um and he's actually got um a, a lad now who works for him who's he trained he was um i think he was in his 20s when he started with him and he just happened to do some work at his house at the time you know he had loads of work on this said, you know can i have that job that you've got going um and he still works for him and he's he's like his best employee he's so good and he's he's learned quickly and he's really loyal as well like customers will say oh can i have your number mm-hmm. to ring you next time and he'll say oh, no we don't do that or you know and like i think all i just constantly worry is that he would just go off and set up on his own but you know, you can't you can't have that mentality all the time. Otherwise, you'll never grow a team. You've got to take mm. a risk, haven't you? And yeah. Sometimes they do leave. I've had an apprentice who's been with me three years and then left before even qualifying and gone to another company to qualify. But equally, I've had apprentices come to me in their third year and transfer to us to qualify. Yeah. So it's it's one of them. You can't. You know, if you try and look after your employees, try have a good relationship with them. You know, the hope is that they will stay with you. But if they do leave, you can't take it personally. You've mm. just got to understand it's just part and parcel. You can qualified electricians or qualified gas engineers and they can still leave yeah (laughs) you can't make them stay anymore but you know at least they could then potentially have an apprentice the the, the subby could quit on the morning yeah on the same morning could turn around and and leave you leave you in the lurch forever yeah but like you've just got to remember if somebody's leaving your company somebody else is probably looking to leave another company so it's just one of them yeah it's nice to keep a steady team but it is a, a team isn't a set thing that you just go and get and keep forever team is something that i personally have found is ever changing yeah um, something couple, you've constantly got to adapt to yeah a couple of really interesting points you made there like that stood out to me was just like how you you were talking about like that scenario of like worrying like whether you take someone on and you t- then you take on that risk that they they stay with you that you pay for them to get trained up and then they they, they just leave and it's just like well mm. it's just a risk you've got to take if you want to grow the team and then like counter to, like to kind of mitigate that risk as well as long as you're looking after your employees and you've you're building good relationships with them you kind of mitigate that risk if they're gonna leave like like people pe- people have their own ambitions right yeah and it's not always because you've mm. not treated them well or but you know it's just because like you said they've got their own ambitions they're yeah, not yeah. you like we do mainly domestic work you know someone might train with us and think actually i really want to do commercial you work get trained up on i've, I've seen that um somebody left um left to go to the nation's biggest company um he, he he took a pretty low low job there simply because he just wanted more training mm. he wanted more and more, more training yeah. and he got it he got it and and you know he spent three four years with with them and and he's recently popped up self-employed but then what what's he doing he's he's come back you know speaking to to our company because that's where we started Mm. he started with us we we built that relationship and that trust he's gone off and become a better engineer but now now we can help help our business out mm. so yeah it's you know it's it, it it's it's the risk of of anything but this comes back to what what i think we said on on a previous um, podcast that some people are just not cut out to to be bosses yeah. to to have employees which is fine mm. it's fine not to 
to grow the team if if that's not what you want to do. Yeah, and if you're looking to grow a business of any kind, uh, you can't let risks par- like paralyze you, right? You've, mm. you've got to jump. That's it, mm. that's it, yeah. And Kathy, you've got quite a big team now. Like, how did you go about deciding to hire the next employee, the next employee? Like, um, It was, initially it was because we were busy and I needed the help, and then it became people contacting us. And now it's kind of, a, if someone gets in touch that, sounds like they'll be the right fit and we could make changes to accommodate them we'll get them in on trial and see how they go um i don't like if there's a bit of a wait for people to get booked in um i don't start recruiting i just think well we'll see um you know if somebody pops up that's going to be good for the team Mm. um we do regularly get emails probably twice a week saying i'm looking to retrain or i'm looking for an apprenticeship I'm working at this other company and I've seen your vans and I'd like to know what it's like to work for your company. Um, and we try to get them in on a trial, you know, so we can meet them. I can work with them for the day, see what mm-hmm. they're capable of, check that they're credible, what they say they can do. Um, you know, and also see, like you say, with your company, they might have learned one thing. So they might be at another company that's really good at training on, I don't know, testing or really good at training on install, but not so great on training on testing. And I find a lot of companies do kind of, focus on either getting them really trained up to install and then somebody else will go do the testing or they probably don't do a lot of install because it's more maintenance but they've got to be able to test and so then you can get them in and see you know can they do what they say they can do and what can they what what can i what am i gonna have to teach them to get them to be able to work the way we work mm-hmm. um and then go from there really um yeah. i think it's very difficult to say right i'm gonna employ somebody um right now i'm gonna look for somebody and then the right person to come along i think that's yeah, gotta be you've got to be looker yeah yeah, and I guess that like your investment in building a brand is probably the same for you, I imagine, Tommy. That you've built a brand, you've like you're putting yourself out there on social media. That not only helps you get new leads in, but it also builds the brand for any prospective like employees that, that that know that you're there, and so they're coming to you anyway. Yeah, 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 and and you'll <laughs> you'll build relationships with with the college, mm-hmm. build relationships with the training centre you know um and and when someone suitable does does pop up that's often where you'll get you know the course leader give mm. give you a call drop you an email and say hey i've got someone in in your area do you mind do you mind having a look mm. yeah do you do you ever is there ever a, a route that you would go down with like a recruiter or would you ever pay anyone to do that or like i i i looked into this once and uh, what put me off was was the fee um, we did interview a couple of people, and and I'll be honest, um, it what came back wasn't really that that impressive, mm. and and then there was the risk. Well, hang on, if if we pay the rec- recruitment company three and a half thousand pound, I think back back in the day, what's you know where where's the risk here that this you know this person might not cut the mustard two mm. two months into it again? It comes back to risk. Mm. But I I always felt well get the young person in get get the person in that is changing changing their career and and you can look at them for a good solid amount of time before you've got to make a, a substantial financial um, commitment to them. Mm-hmm. But every business is different. Some people need that you know that finished article experienced qualified person with with ten twenty years experience behind them to to hit the road. Depends. Mm. No, every business is different. Mm. 
And when, when you're, you're taking on people, and uh, we've touched on it a little bit, but is there any tips that you can give people in terms of that interviewing process, things that you can ask or things that you're looking for specifically? Maybe, Cathy, do you want to start? Um, I'd just say if you can, the more time you can spend with them before committing for both of you is probably better because mm. it might be that, you know, like I used to assume any any female who's decided she wants to be a um electrician has definitely got her head screwed on because if it's a girl and she wants to be an electrician it's like come on and um quite often they just don't know what's actually realistically involved mm. or you know something's influenced them to think that but it's not necessarily something that should have or you know um so i'd i'd say it's quite especially as well younger parents can sometimes influence younger you know mm-hmm. male and females at, at sort of apprenticeship to that typical apprenticeship age like the parents might be pushing them towards it or yeah. so i think the more time you can spend with them the better it is going to be because then you get to know them best and like you say everyone relaxes once they get to know people don't they? it's like when you get a new boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> super nice and sometimes too relaxed <laughs> feet under the table yeah so just just the longest trials possible yeah i would add um to consider try to figure out how you can figure out the mindset of, of the person that that you're taking on um yes in certain instances we we need the skill set we need the qualification but let's let's be honest the vast majority of people that are going to be watching this show are um small business owners with with less than 10 staff mm. so the fact that we have less than staff and most of them are going to have two to five um team team members the fact that it's such a small team it means that the people within the team have to be adaptable they mm-hmm. have to be multi-skilled yeah. because they can't just be that engineer they can't just be that apprentice they can't just be that admin person that does this defined set of of tasks because we're small business owners then we're we've, you know we're, we're trying to spin many many different plates and it either all comes back onto the business owner that you're the only person spinning the plates and the rest of the team has their defined roles or why not share the plates out amongst amongst your team so you know in in order to do that correctly at you know at the hiring stage what can we do to try to figure out how adaptable are they mm-hmm. not just that's the qualification they've done 5 years experience at this place they've done 3 years experience at that place i can see the paperwork that they can do it it's but how adaptable are, are they mm. can they use a computer that's a big one mm. you know Clearly, it's not not so much of an issue for when when we're talking to apprentices, but if if we are going to be hiring um, somebody in, in in the forties, for instance, or, or even fifties, right? You know, can can use a computer. Mm, yeah, can, we've got all the stuff. Can you not together together the an email? and stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can you mm. use the iPad? Mm. Yeah. Why? Because the the business is going to be reliant on this. So so if the only thing that you can do is fill out a form use the tools and fill out a form well you can't do the rest of this you'll never be able to go out and do the surveys you'll never be able to go out and do the quotes and if that's it we are always going to need someone above you to to fulfill that role that's where i'm at is you know so it, there's there's a lot more um there's a lot more benefits i think with with finding the the younger dogs you know the, that old saying of you can't teach a, an old dog new tricks but it's finding them new new dogs that you can treat 
teach the tricks <laughs> to to do the stuff that's going to stop you from spinning so many plates yeah and 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 we touched on this a little bit but clearly it's going to be really important to figure out what the total cost of hiring employees is because it's not just their salary like you said there's, there's there's a lot of stuff on top a lot of like legal responsibilities taxes pensions all that kind of stuff how do you well, especially when you start like how did you get help with that or did you just do it all yourselves or like what would you recommend i think we employ all our staff so i found it out more of once i had to do it when mm. I was paying it, that's when I found out mm. sort of thing. Um, I think if I'd have maybe had a meeting with my accountant and gone through it a bit more, it would have been more helpful. Business planning is such a like good idea, but it's just one of them things that's like actually making a plan is one of the things like I always find it's all well said to do it, but to actually sit down and do it, I think it's definitely worth actually spending the time doing it. Because mm. once you pay, once you've got the bill through the door and you've got to pay the pension contributions or the um, mm. national insurance contributions, and once you get over so many staff, it changes to a high percentage and stuff like that. Um, you know, once you've got the bill, it's a bit too late to then start realising that actually you're not charging these people out at enough mm. money to cover what you're actually costing, so... Um, yeah, having a good reliable accountant is uh, yeah and actually uh, asking them just about come, it come back to the accountant uh, every time you, yeah. you, you know the importance of having a decent accountant on you know on your team that you can reach up out to not after booking an appointment but actually say hey i've got an important question mm. can you help me out we've got that? a great accountant but i just always ring her so actually communicating with my thanks <laughs> brilliant brilliant i think also when you're starting out um you're sort of setting those salaries you can't necessarily offer the highest salary do you think about like what other benefits you can offer um to to, to be more attractive to to the, the people you really want um i'd say with that one realizing what our benefits because i think when i first started um like growing the team i really wanted to make an amazing team that paid best in industry that had the best setup in industry you know i wanted to make it so they all had like a list of benefits that like I would have seen as benefits, but actually like there's a lot of things that other people appreciate that you might not realize that mm. actually don't cost you anything, i.e. being a small business, that, that personal touch. Mm. A lot of people go to big companies, come around and realize the difference between working yeah. for a big company, a small company. You don't need to spend any money to do right. You don't need to do anything, you know, differently. It's just appreciating that yourself, that that's, mm. that is a benefit. Yeah. There's something Tommy mentioned earlier as well that I think is a is a is a benefit. When like when you're talking about spinning all the plates, sharing the yeah. plates out, yeah. when you're doing that, you're giving people more experience and like you're giving them a, like yeah. like a broader skill set. So if they do if they do get to a, some point in life where their personal ambitions take take hold and they want to go and set up, they've yeah. they've got some insight and some experience into that. So yeah. I see that as a massive benefit. I I think a lot of the people that spent a lot of time um, with with my business has exactly got that mm. you know the ones that were there the longest time for me were the ones most likely to go out and be successful at, at their own business because we shared the responsibility yeah we're mm. sending them out doing the surveys getting them writing up the quotes mm. yeah you know, it wasn't just you're the engineer you've got the bag of tools and, and the van that's only your job it was like no right from an early point we're, we're showing them through this is how you are going to go from being an apprentice to being an engineer to being a manager to you know at some point if you want to leave and, and run your own business you've, you've you've got everything there yeah 
and and they have a number of them have yeah, yeah i don't think you to. realize how much people appreciate responsibility as well like when i at my in my law job i was so <laughs> desperate to progress and have my own files but I didn't, like, I did want to get onto my money, but it was the responsibility that was important to me. But I don't necessarily always think like that when I'm dealing, well, I do more now, but originally I didn't really think about that as always as a benefit. I always kind of thought, well, if they want the, if they want responsibility, they're going to want the money. So I can't give them that responsibility because then I'm going to have to pay them loads more and I can't afford to do that. But people do appreciate responsibility mm. a lot more than what, you realise and not always expect such a higher... Uh, one thing I do now as well is I ask people if they're happy to disclose what salary they're on and what they're wanting. And quite often I've found, especially apprentices that are wanting to move to get more experience, they don't actually want a pay rise. They just want... Mm. They're not getting the right experience where they are. They're not getting any experience where they are or they just want, like you said before, experience doing something different and it's not necessarily about the money. Like we've had people take pay cuts to come and get the experience and then progressed with us and got you know back onto higher salaries than they were on before yeah. they came to us. So I think appreciating that responsibility is a reward, mm. not always financially, but just the actual... Uh, there's, there's perks that go along with it. You know, everybody wants to work less time so you know what can we put in what can we do to en encourage them maybe showing you know showing the culture like you know when when you're at interview stage or perhaps like you know you have a a page set up to to actually yeah. attract staff it's talking about well, what what is the culture of yeah. of your business for yeah. us we was committed to to five star customer service mm. you know which anybody that looked at the business could see you yeah they're you know they're, they're top dog in in the area we can see with all, all the reviews but also you know the, the culture for us was um about you know team bonding going going out once once a month trying trying to shut trying uh it's heating heating industry but trying to shut early on you know once a month on friday and going out and, and having some beers and now you know there's there's a there's a fine line be between being too friendly with with your staff mm. and team bonding mm. Um. Yeah, it's something to be aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to think that everybody wanted all the overtime and all the extra money because when I first started, I would work seven days a week, most evenings, quite happily. Mm. And my first qualified electrician wanted to work six days a week and most evenings and get all time and a half overtime. So when yeah. I was recruiting, I was like, "Well, we can offer you all this overtime that's paid at time and a half." Mm. And a lot of people were like they just wanted to work. Monday to Friday, eight to half four, and enjoy the weekend. And it's like you say, what's your culture, your company culture? And we actually stopped doing twenty four hour call out because I recognised that when when the first qualified electrician I'd taken on when she left, um, she wanted to go do something with more responsibility, more office based, less on the tools. And the team that were left weren't really mad for overtime. They didn't want to work loads of evenings. They weren't bothered about not having a higher pay slip to mm. not do on call and like they were so much happier but it was like you say i just thought everybody wanted that because that's what mm. i initially wanted but actually you know not everybody wants to work all these hours and have all this money and then no time to spend it yeah i think there is a different mentality though because you will have people coming through who maybe do have ambitions to start their own business who do want like mm. they want more they want it faster they will work for it and there's other people who won't so i think i think it's also possible to balance your culture and say yeah. that you can provide opportunities for you know both different viewpoints there mm. i think it's important to do that as well because you like just because somebody 
likes to have like a good work-life balance doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a low performer mm -hmm. right so you need to cater for both types otherwise you as a business are going to end up missing out on some great yeah. talent and it's a mistake i i see people making as well is that like your team are not going to care as much about the business as mm. you as the business owner mm, you have to recognize that. of course and you do. like that people people do <laughs> people go into it and like you see it quite a lot they must do expectation. Mm. Yeah, yeah they must believe yeah, it yeah. Yeah, they get... yeah but they can really believe in it but it, it's not going to be as much as you it's uh and it's unfair to expect them to Luke, how much do you believe in uh, Payaka? <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. Let's see you Payaka tattoo. <laughs> I, th I, think, I think a lot of us have seen it it's all over social media, mm -hmm. but there's a big sort of thing about pranks on like building sites in particular. Is that something that you've seen is like part of like the culture in your businesses or like what, if it is, what's the, the best or worst prank you've seen? I, I'll I'll say I've not really seen much, and, and I couldn't share it if I did, had seen it. Okay, but definitely banter, definitely plenty plenty of banter. You know, it helps uh, lift you know lift lift the team to to have a giggle. But you do have to be careful of how much banter may may the customer see. You know, um, but pranks I, I I can't say in pranks. Yeah, I would. I don't think we've done much pranks. Obviously, we've it been electrical. It's but um <laughs> dangerous <laughs> but I, like obviously you see them don't you the videos and on the mm. tools and stuff and i think um lads banter is definitely different to to women's banter um our team I, i've got a good sort of bond between them and sometimes they'll say stuff jokingly and like you say you have to be careful what's said as a joke yeah. near to a customer or within earshot um one of them was really joking about electrocuting one of the other ones on purpose the other day and i was like and don't, this isn't funny yeah. and like they kept going with it to the point where I was like seriously and they were like no joking and I was like yeah but it's not funny because yeah. the customer can hear mm -hmm. you but you know it's just remembering like mm. like you say what's said in front of a customer and what's not but mm. I do think lads humour is definitely <sighs> completely different kettle of fish <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go there <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think there's a labour shortage in the trades Hot topic. Hot. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a job shortage to be able to create the, the staff, you know, to make people who are qualified and experienced. Um, you were saying earlier, wasn't you, about how it's the people in the businesses out there to create the jobs but i think yeah definitely and i've got a list of people with no experience or training who've come to us and said please can you help us get into industry and i don't have the jobs for them and they obviously don't have the jobs elsewhere to be able to to get that i don't think there's a shortage of willing or yeah there's, interested there's, there's people not, there's not a shortage of people that want to do the work yeah it's just more way in i'd say i would say that there's also, not a shortage of people with a piece of paper that says that they're qualified yeah, to, to do the work. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, what I think the the major challenge to, to the industry is, is there's not enough businesses capable of su supporting staff. If there were more businesses capable of supporting staff, then there would be more people looking for the job rather than being forced down the, you know, forced down you will have to be self-employed now a little bit on on your your story there was you were 
you kind of chose to, to go go self-employed yeah like yeah. i had the idea i was going to be self-employed quite early on without really thinking about it I, I just wanted to do what ollie did where he just went to work for people never really thought i'm going to be a self-employed business owner who's an electrician running i just i saw what he did and was like right that's how i want to do it mm-hmm. i just kind of like i never really sort of I just envisaged where he goes and works for customers in the houses. That's how, that's what I wanted to be doing. Mm. Um, but if I'd have not had that option with the domestic install scheme, I don't think I would have got into industry because um, that was when I'd rang companies who were recruiting who wouldn't consider me or I'd started working for somebody casual labor who wouldn't put me on an apprenticeship. So it was only because mm. I paid for the qualification myself and got the experience and had the proper that we were we were working on at the time it was a very sort of good sequence of events and people that sort of lined up at the right time for me my sister's husband's wanting to retrain at the moment and looking into it and he's like so if i go do this course and i'm like like you say yeah you'll have a nice piece of paper from that but yeah i I think you know coming back to this you know is there a skills shortage or or is there a, a business shortage no there's not enough um help out there for for people to actually get the business off the ground yeah mm. there's, there's the vanilla stuff you know the bank will will give you some advice gasif will give you some advice i'm sure nic eic will, will give you some advice how to set up as an electrician mm. yeah but it's vanilla mm. it's basic yeah it's not going to make the phone ring mm. it's basically this is their viewpoint of how how to set up in business you need to get qualified you need to get insured and you need to have a van mm. and tools and that's it now now off you go well, yeah. here's a short course. Here's a 30-minute video about social media, and here's a 30-minute um, video about what you need on a website. That's it. Oh, by the way, uh, our sponsor, Checker Trade. Yeah, maybe you should go on on Checker Trade. And it's like that is all that we need in order mm. to have have a successful business. So I think a lot of people believe that yeah. that's all what you need to to get up and running and come come into the, in, into the industry and find out that the phone's not ringing, yeah. which I think is what what you said you, you struggled at first with yeah well i was just a bit like what do i do now like i just i'd not really anticipated it being an issue ollie's got so many um jobs through like ongoing work through people who he's played rugby with he's grown up with he's gone to school with and i literally i, I, I did not think more into it than i'm just gonna do what he's doing but as an electrician instead mm. so then obviously i got where i was capable of going out and doing my own jobs and i was like and it was quite funny actually because we'd talk about it and he'd say, "Oh yeah, well Paul wants his house, the house he's doing, doing so and so wants this doing." So, so that we had maybe like five biggest jobs in mind that his mates who needed doing or people we knew or our own job or whatever. But when it actually came to it, it'd be like, "Oh yeah, he's got someone else to do right." Or and these these people wouldn't have even questioned using Ollie because that's who they used all the time. Mm. And I just expected that same reaction, but there was no reason for them because they've got another Ollie who's an electrician, yeah. who's their mm. friend from school or rugby or whatever. Um, and I think where people do, um, or where women especially have struggled is getting considered by those people. Um, and luckily I went on um, social media, set up a Facebook page yeah. and then went to some networking and luckily at that first networking meeting I ever went to, there was a branding company and he straight away said to me, um, you need to brand as a female electrician and that literally mm-hmm. went from me not knowing what to do to get work to setting up a Facebook page with that branding messaging a few people who'd put posts up looking for electricians to then being inundated with work mm. because it was something different. I had a brand that people could recognise and straight away see Little Miss Electrical, that's clearly a female electrician. And I did, like some people have given me stick for it, but I did very much 
use that to my advantage and it has yeah. like the branding company said to me that you've got a usp there um yeah, absolutely but yeah. like if i hadn't have had that i don't know where i would be now i, I don't think know if i would be in the same yeah. situation with the same number in my team you know that's definitely been yeah and I, I think like both of your angles are actually like the reason that you've been so successful i think you've both gone into this understanding that you need to run a business like if you need help from people you've gone out there you found it whether that's a networking meeting or you were sort of involved in like other sides yeah and other bits of business before and you really recognized the business side of it so even if you didn't have it at the start you knew that you needed to learn that whereas i think a lot of people the challenge is more that they went into doing a trade and then they were like right well i just want to go on my own they've not thought of it of like i'm starting a business now i need to learn how to run a business that's a completely separate thing from doing my trade and i think that's where the challenge comes in like how do you encourage that 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 education around around how you run that business i think the most important tool that that most people underestimate is their computer you need to understand how to use your computer to to run the business and how many trades people are just like i don't do technology yeah, <laughs> yeah? i don't do technology mm. all right so you're you're, you're qualified your phone's not going to ring. You know, your accounts aren't going to do themselves. Um, the marketing's not going to happen on, on its own. You're not going to be able to to write something for, for the next member of staff, giving them indication of this is how we want the job to run because you're frightened of using the computer. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, Are there any final tips you can give anyone on, uh, like, motivating your team, managing your team, like incentives, anything like Anything that you do? Do I have to say the ugly word? <clears throat> it's money. Money for reviews. Yeah. Um, that, I think, en encouraged um, en encouraged the team to to focus on, on customer first. Um, does it motivate them to, to stick around for forever? No, because not as we've gone through, not everybody is, is motivated by, by the money. Mm. So the next point for me was... Um, you know, there's a clear channel to to development here. You know, going from an apprentice or, or a trainee to a, to an engineer. When you're an engineer, then then you get the apprentice uh, to go alongside alongside you. And then there's a couple of people here that have shown, you know, management skills or or going into surveying. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps you don't want to be an installer forever and you want to go out doing the you know do the testing. Um, how's about yourself? Yeah, I think. Um definitely listening to them i originally um thought money was like the main thing that would bother them and like the first qualified electrician i took on i set her wage at the highest what i think um generally industry mm. pay for a qualified electrician who's employed with all the tools and van provided to them um and found that it wasn't necessarily that that was motivating. I think you've definitely got to listen to each individual. We do regular progress reviews and see what's bothering them. Um, trying to be, um, like, definitely be available to see. So, like, say if they're struggling with something, they can come to you. Um, I think trying to listen and keep involved with them, and you know, so that you're there, you're not just an employer, but you're also you've got an active role that they, you know, they can mm -hmm. speak to you. Um, like you said, development's definitely something that um, motivates some of them progression, um, getting more responsibility, which then leads to more money, which does then motivate them as well. Um, you know, just, I think 
I think it's different with everyone, but mm. I think definitely having an open an open ear and listening to what they what they want in particular, mm. um, without obviously going beyond what you're capable of providing, having a good understanding between you both as to what you're capable of providing them with and what they're actually wanting from you. Mm. That's it for this episode. I hope you found the information we shared useful. If you'd like any support on the topics covered, leave a comment below the video or head over to the Payaka website and we'd be happy to help. Thanks for watching and if you enjoyed the conversation, please support the channel by subscribing and liking the video. 